Well, good morning, good morning, and good evening to those of you watching around the world uh, to Influence Church online and live. Amen. Good to see you. Good to see you. The Bible says that the cross is foolishness to those who perish. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. This week we received a code violation notice that one of our crosses, you get excited about the darndest things, that our cross was blocking a parking spot. That cross has been there off and on for eight years or seven years. But the code violation didn't note that we were blocking two places right next to it for food distribution. I suspect that the issue was not the parking place because given the, during the week we have hundreds of parking places that are empty for people to park in. But I want you to know that we are living in a time that we talked might happen in the past but now we experience it firsthand. And the cross will continue to be an offense to those who are perishing. You know, the Bible says that we're not supposed to be crafty like a serpent, but innocent as a dove. So something inside of me when I heard the note that we needed to move the cross or get a permit for it, I thought I'll take the cross down and then I'll put 50 little crosses at each parking place. Yeah, I just don't like that game. John Lewis, representative from Georgia, recently passed. He was one of the, called the Giant Six that marched with Martin Luther King. He made this comment, I thought it was so good. He said, never ever be afraid to make some noise and to get in some good trouble, necessary trouble. You know, he rode the bus to Selma, was beaten, left for dead, never responded in violence, and yet brought about, that whole era brought about the greatest wave of change when it came to segregation, integration that we know today. We are living in a different day. Our country is almost 250 years old. We're just six years short of that, and we will celebrate that anniversary. The question is, will we still be a nation in six years? Will we be a republic as we know it? I think right now, we're not certain what the future looks like. Rabbi Lapin did a study of the history of empires and epics of national dominance, and they average they last is about 250 years. These were his observations. Nations begin with a bold breakout and conquest. They then move into commercial expansion, the building of splendid buildings, a widespread affluence, a zenith and best days. Then they begin to extend their influence beyond their borders with money instead of military. Then the rising political power of women and of intellectual and academic elite. Then the influx of foreigners. And then everybody is just eating, drinking, and being merry. But the final stage, he noted, was internal political and civic fracture. 
I want to show you an image. It's been pieced together. It shows what's happening in Hong Kong, the protest against communism trying to encroach on their rights in Hong Kong. And on the other side is Portland, and they are carrying the communist flag. I didn't know com uh, Portland had such an issue with rights. They seem to get away with everything. What's the problem? I had an idea. Could we just change? Could we take Hong Kong and give China Portland? <laughs> to me, it makes sense. Give people what they want. You want your rights to fly the, the communist flag, then you get a communist nation. Alexander Teitler said, Those, these nations have progressed through this sequence. And he's talking about what happens to nations, similar to what Rabbi Lapin said, but he said this, they go from bondage to spiritual faith. And you can see that in the nation of Israel, how they were in bondage to Egypt, but from out of that bondage came this great renewal, this great rebirth of a nation where they learned to walk in the power and the presence of God in the wilderness through tough times. And that was only preparing them for the battle that would lie ahead. That battle, when they would cross the Jordan River, they would go into that promised land, and they would face giants, and they would face enemies, and they were ready because they knew the power and the presence of God. You will be ready, and you will face the giants in your life. You will face the enemies in your life only by the power and the presence of Almighty God. Never underestimate what God can do in you and through you when you allow him just to be released in your life in the, in the presence of your enemies. They go from bondage to spiritual faith, then from spiritual faith to great courage. And we saw that when they crossed into Jordan, all of a sudden now they go up against Jericho, that fortress, and they were courageous in that moment. And they experienced liberty, courage to liberty. And then as they began to settle in the land, that liberty became abundance. And they began to, to see lands, and they began to see produce. They began to see herds. They began to see the building of cities and the expansion of what God had promised them. And then from abundance to selfishness. And then God had to warn them in the book of Proverbs. We see a reference, don't move the ancient landmark. In other words, God said this land needs to be secured for that family. Don't encroach your rights on someone else's. Don't steal from someone else. Don't think that everything belongs to you. And we saw that happening in the nation of Israel. They went to selfishness. And then selfishness to apathy. And then when given that charge to proclaim God in a nation, what did they do? They backed off. They stopped being the light to the nations. They stopped pursuing the presence of God. They stopped living out their faith. And all of a sudden, they became thinking about themselves and no one else. And God had to write to them in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1. And he said, who demands this trampling of my courts? He said, I hate your festivals. I hate your Sabbath day. I hate all those things. He said, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red, they shall be like wool. And God was saying to them, it's never about your ritual and your routine. It's about coming into the presence of God. It's about connecting with God. It's about living your life in the power of Almighty God. And then from apathy into dependence. 
And all of a sudden, they folded. They folded to Babylon, and they became subject to Babylon. They folded to Assyria. They, they folded to all these nations that would come up against them because they stopped trusting in the power of God, and they became dependent, and then from dependence back into bondage, and they were taken back into Babylon, and they were captives. And then the captors said to them, sing us one of those songs of Zion. Sing us a song that you used to sing. And they said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And we hung our harps in the trees and we sat down and we wept when we remembered you, O Zion. Can I tell you, don't stop singing. Understand what I'm saying here. Don't stop singing. The enemy knows that the high praises brings about the presence of God. And of course, those who would be used by the enemy would say, don't sing. Don't chant. Unless you're protesting and tearing down statues and defacing buildings and destroying small business, then it's okay. It's a strange virus we have. It only seems to attack those who worship God. George Orwell wrote 1984 in the year 1947, and he was so prophetic in what he saw for the future. He said this, in a time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. I was so happy to see the news, maybe you did, of the 17-year-old boy who won the lawsuit, settled out of court with the Washington Post. That was, a, that was a check that the Washington Post had to write for $250 million for fake news. You know, you write a few of those, you might rethink your position. Today I want to talk to you about the blacksmith. Might seem like an unusual subject, but I want to talk to you about the blacksmith. In 1, Timothy, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 19, the Bible says, Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. You see, the strategy of the Philistines, the enemy of God, was to remove the blacksmith. If the blacksmith was taken out of the picture, then Israel, not only did they not have those instruments for plowing and producing, but they also didn't have weapons to fight against the enemy. And they became totally dependent. And I want you to know that the strategy of the enemy has not changed. You see, the pastors across the land are the blacksmiths. They're the ones that are calling you to make the swords, make the plows, and stand in the presence of God. And if you remove the blacksmith, then there is no gathering place. There is no prophetic voice to be given. It's just another online voice to be heard. But we have something unique when we gather. And when we keep forging those, those weapons and we stand in the presence of God. My granddad was a, was a farmer. And he made his own tools. And he took me out in the garage one day and he showed me how to blacksmith. Was never very good at it. But we would heat up that, those coals and we'd get them hot and then I'd take these gloves and a mask on, and I would put this steel inside that fire, and I'd get it red hot, and then I'd bring it out, and with a hammer, I'd begin to pound on that piece of metal to make it into a chisel. And then as it started to cool, I'd put it back in. 
I bring it back out when it's red hot and I begin to pound it again and pound it again and pound it again. You see, the blacksmith's job is not an easy job, but it's a necessary job. It was the horseshoe that revolutionized warfare. Think about that. Now that horse could go on any terrain. Now the heat and the rocks were never a problem again. You see, if you don't have the right tools, you can't win the battle. This is not a time for easy Christianity. I don't believe we'll ever go back to easy Christianity. You say, well, I just want to get it back to normal. That was not normal. That was complacent Christians playing out a hobby in their daily life, expecting that God was going to bless what they did. It's time to rise up and be warriors for God. Amen? Once you get that hot piece of steel out and you pound it and you get it where you want it, then you temper it, you place it into cold water. And it changes the very molecular structure of that steel and it becomes hard. No wonder the Bible says we're to be baptized into the Spirit. No wonder the Bible says we are to be fed with the washing and the water of the Word in our daily life. You see, the blacksmith understands forging, first of all. He begins to shape the metal. You see, we, when we preach and when we encourage you and when we sing and when we challenge you, what we're doing is we're shaping you. The Spirit of God is working in you to shape you into the likeness of the very image of Almighty God. And then there's a bending that happens. And so there are times when, when you hear the Word of God and your heart is just broken because you go, that's me, I'm guilty of that. And there's something that happens, and you stop saying, not my will, but your will be done, Almighty God. And you let him bend you, and the heat is the, is the bending and the softening of your very soul in the presence of God. And then there's a welding that happens, and that's the joining of same or similar kinds of metals together. You see, the welding happens when we gather together. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. That's why Christians would, would worship in the catacombs in, in Rome, to, because they knew that what would happen if they didn't worship together, if they didn't gather and above ground, they would be put into the arena. They would be persecuted and killed. But you see, we know the power of God when we gather. And we intend to keep gathering. And then there's a finishing that happens. Once you get done with that, you take that piece of steel out, you've got it right, and then you begin to sand it. You take off all those rough edges. You begin to polish it. Then you take it over to the grinder, you take that chisel and you put a straight edge on it. But you know that edge won't last. Because after you take a few things down and remove a few pieces of metal from that with that chisel, it's gonna have to be resharpened. See, you need to be resharpened every week. You need to be in the word of God every day. You need to be praying every day, seeking after God, amen? Amen. I want you to know it's time to prepare for battle. There is a battle here. There is a battle. When you have a flu that closes down a nation that has a 99.4% recovery rate, there's something not true. There's just something that's not adding up to me. Now, I'm not a scientist. I don't pretend, pretend to be a scientist. But there are those who are scientists, or at least are pretending to be scientists in our world. Isaiah chapter 54 takes us back to the blacksmith. It says, behold, I have created the blacksmith. 
you ever get the idea that God is onto something here? I created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. An interesting kind of phrase there, isn't it? I've created the blacksmith, and I'm gonna, who blows on the coals. So what happens is, when, we, when the word of God goes forth, it's like fire. Jeremiah said, thy word was like fire to my bones. Thy word was like a hammer to my heart. You see, Jeremiah knew there's something about the word of God. It is like a sword, a sharp two-edged sword that, that divides the division of the spirit and the soul and the bone and the marrow, and it's a revealer of the true intentions of the heart. You don't know what your heart's like until you get in the word of God. When you get in the word of God, you go, that's me. The Bible says the law is like a mirror. When I look into the law, I see myself for what I really am. I hear people say, well, I keep the 10 commandments. No, you don't. By the time you read them the first time, you'd already broke two or three. It was never intended to save you. It was intended to reveal you to who you are in the presence of God, to fall short, because we're all saved by one thing, the mercy of Almighty God. We're never saved by doing good. You're not, it's too late to do good. Too late. You see, here's how the enemy works. He will work and feed on your dominant weakness. What is your dominant weakness today? Fear? Security? Life as it always has been? He'll, he'll take and he'll begin to pick at that. He'll just begin to pick at that. Remember when you were a kid and you had a scab and your mom said, don't pick that? You remember that? It's the most tempting thing in the world. I got a scab, I'm picking it. I don't care what they say. Well, what the enemy does is he says, there's your dominant weakness, there's your scab, and what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna scratch a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it from healing. You see, the enemy wants to keep you from healing so that you're not prepared for the task that's set in front of you. If he can keep you a little broken, if he can keep you a little dependent, if he can keep you a little insecure, if he can keep you unhealthy, then he knows that he's, he's thwarted what God wants to do in you in the days ahead. The enemy also understands that ordinary battles do not produce warriors. You see, if we were in an ordinary battle, we wouldn't have warriors. My dad was a military man. He retired as a colonel, saw many conflicts, won the Bronze Star, among other medals. He said, son, boot camp doesn't prepare anybody for battle. Manuals don't prepare anybody for battle. Nobody can prepare for battle because things happen there that are out of your control completely out of your control. Only battle prepares you for battle. Are you ready for the battle? I got about two yeses on that one. <laughs> Are you ready for the battle? You might, as well, you might as well be prepared for it. If you're not prepared for it, then you're gonna go into battle anyway. You're just gonna go, go in unprepared. You see, conflict enlarges your capacity. You ever look back on a situation that was really tough and you go, boy, I don't want to do that again. But I am better because of it. I'm stronger because of it. I'm wiser because of it. You see, that's what conflict does. It enlarges your capacity. Now all of a sudden you see something comes in and you just go, is that all you got? Is that, I already been down that road. 
Is that all you've got? Because when you begin to smile in the face of adversity, give God the glory in all your situations, in all your ways, acknowledge him. You know, he's gonna direct your path. He's gonna make you stronger for all the things that you have in store for you. We introduced last week American faith. It's something that uh, I launched here as a part of our ministry. It's a coalition of faith-based individuals in the United States focused on educating and empowering individuals to understand and exercise their constitutional rights. I want you to visit that side. I want you to share that side. I want you to let it be a part of what you do. Because you see, there's two things that are going on here. When you think about a two-edged sword, on one edge, you see you got the word of God you can cut with, and the other thing is Americans, we have the Constitution. People have bled and died to preserve our rights. Can we do any less? Can we do any less? I can trace the military history of our family all the way back to the Revolutionary War when one of my relatives was a rifleman under Washington. Courage has never been a problem in our family. If courage has been a problem in your family, ask God to give you strength. Amen? Hey, we all get afraid once in a while. Fear is an emotion that comes, but don't let it overcome you. When you face your fears, they get smaller. When you run from them, they get bigger. I remember there was a boy down the street named Billy when I was growing up. I called him Billy Bump. I don't even know why I called him Billy Bump. He was about 200 pounds heavier than I was. And he was a bully. He was about three years older. And Billy would always come down and say something, push me down, knock me down. And then one day, Billy came and he said, uh, we're going to fight. Well, I was smart enough to know we're going to fight in my front yard because my mom can rescue me. Moms can beat up Billy Bumps all day long. I don't know what it is. They got a strength that just comes from nowhere. They got eyes to the back of their head. They're amazing people, these women, right? So Billy Bump came down, he pushed me down, knocked me down, put his knees on my, on my shoulders, and then took my fingers, began to bend them back. I began to cry like a baby. I'm not lying. I'm not ashamed to say, Billy Bump would make you cry too. Billy Bump began, I mean, he was only in eighth grade, but he had whiskers. I mean, he was a man. Looked like Ivan the Great right out of some, some Viking movie. I was crying like a baby. He said, say, I'm sorry, Uncle Billy. Insult to injury. Now I got to call him Uncle Billy. I said, Uncle Billy, I'm sorry. About that time, God delivered me. My mom came out. She had a broom. She hit old Billy across the back of the head. Can't get away with that today. Billy went down, crying, took off down the road. Hey, guess what? God's better than your mom. He's got some brooms in a closet. He's going to sweep a little bit. He's going to poke a little bit, and he's going to whack a little bit. Amen? Remember your heritage. Remember your heritage. Let's go on in that Isaiah 54 about the blacksmith. A lot of you have quoted this scripture, didn't know it had anything to do with the blacksmith. Listen to what it says. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You remember what it was talking about earlier? The blacksmith. You see, the enemy's forming weapons against you right now. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Do you see what it says? When someone judges you, you use your mouth and give it back to them. That's what it says. 
See, we Christians, we think it says, well, you know, then every, you know, then God's just gonna take care of it and I can just sit in my house and be, yeah, that's a problem. Rebuke a fool, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Hey, I love that 17-year-old kid. $250 million check. We need to get him coming to church here, amen? <laughs> Look what it says. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is your heritage. You have a heritage. Did you know that? You have a heritage, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. You see, so your heritage comes from God. Your righteousness comes from God. But let me show you something here. What we do understand is that weapons are being formed daily by the enemy against you, and they're custom designed for your issue. What are some of them? One of them is shame. You ever been shamed because you didn't wear a mask? I love people that drive in the car by themselves with a mask on. I'm wondering, what's going on? I guess you're protecting the car. I don't know. Accusation. Accusation. How about betrayal? Good friend of mine, San Diego, opened their building up. One of the people on the leadership team called the police on him. So how does that happen? You see, betrayal's an interesting thing. Jesus had 12 disciples, and one of them was a betrayal. One of them was a traitor. What motivates the heart of a traitor? I don't understand it. How about control? Another enemy is control. Ultimate control. Hey, I don't know about you, but the last time I read the Bible, it says, he who the sun sets free is free what? Indeed. He's free indeed. She's free indeed. Maybe some of you heard this story. Every player on the Yankees, Nationals, Dodgers, and Giants knelt before the national anthem on Thursday, except for one. Giant Sam Coonrod said, I am a Christian. I can't get on board with a couple of things I've read about Black Lives Matter, how they lean toward Marxism and said some negative things about the nuclear family. And there's a picture of him right there. You have to decide what you're going to kneel to. Remember, the bullies of life can never be appeased. They're never appeased. There was a British prime minister named Chamberlain. Came back after meeting with Adolf Hitler before World War II started. He said, I believe we will have peace, peace in our time, in our generation. It was only just a short time later that Poland was invaded. But they, they, it kept going, it kept going, and now they're facing. Because you see, appeasement never works. Your heritage and your dominion, listen to me, is not automatic. It says, every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. That's part of how you inherit your, your, your heritage. This is, your, this is the heritage of servants of the Lord and their righteousness from me. You see, here's how you, here's how you establish heritage and dominion in your life. Number one, you believe it's yours. You may not understand it, but right now you can just confess it out loud. God, I receive the heritage that I have from God. Just say it out loud. I receive the heritage I have from God. That's where you start. You just say, I, if you say it long enough, you'll start to believe it. 
And then secondly, you refuse to yield. I'm not yielding to the enemy. I'm not yielding to the enemy. I'm gonna stay strong. And then three, you confess it often. You just keep saying it over and over again. I'm gonna stand. I'm going through this. God is with me. If God be with me, who can be against me? And you just keep confessing the word of God in your life. You keep saying the things that you know is true in your life. Remember, truth becomes a radical thing in a world filled with deceit. It's radical to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. It's radical to say God is coming through. It's radical to say we're gonna do what God says for us to do. We're gonna obey God and not man. That's radical, guys. But that's what we were birthed to do. Jesus said in the world you will have tribulation. There's a promise of God. How do you like that one? But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You will have tribulation. Oh, but don't worry. There is laid up for you a crown of righteousness for you and all those who love my appearing, my return. Oh, there's gonna come a time when the heavens are gonna open up like a scroll. We're gonna see him as he is, the Bible says, and we're going to be like him. Don't be discouraged, don't be defeated. We have dual citizenship. Our primary citizenship is heaven. That's the kingdom. Our second one is American, and we're gonna use both documents to help us through this journey. Amen? If you've not received Christ into your life, if you're uncertain about your eternal destiny, I don't want you to leave here, or if you're watching online, I don't want you to, to let this moment slip by to where you don't take the opportunity to receive Christ, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, that if we believe with all our heart that God has raised him from the dead, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says, gives this promise, you will be saved. What does that mean? That means made a new person. That means saved out of the bondage of sin and death and given new life in Christ. Would you like to pray that prayer today? Just pray that prayer out, with, out loud with me right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. And I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart, transform me into a new person into a follower of Christ, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And if you're a Christian, then you need to pray for boldness. You say something like this, Lord Jesus, just say it with me, everyone. Lord Jesus, I want the power of the Spirit of God to give me courage, power, and authority in this world. God, I've been born again for a purpose to glorify God and spread the news of Jesus Christ everywhere I go. Amen, amen, amen.